I have not seen your hat. What is on My your hat? My hat. Look closely. Lean closer. Lean, okay. All right. This is great for our audience. Look at that. It's a little, it's a little state of Minnesota. That's a, Minnesota. Oh, I like I that. And it's got the little like water I with like the sand. What? It's Waggle is the name of the brand. Waggle. Not sponsored. We are not sponsored. Just a fan. Yeah. A big fan of Waggle. Get Enjoy. your Waggle on the course. Yep. Enjoy the free Waggle.com, baby. That's on us. And welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sport. So anyways, it's Waggle. They're Minnesota-based. Mm-hmm. They're a golf company. They got hats. They got polos. They got cool stuff, fun stuff. That's what, you know, I think that's what I like mm-hmm. about the new, uh, like, brand and vibe of golf is that it's like, yeah. it's just, it, it, there's a ton of cool gear. And you know I love gear. I know you love gear. I'm all about We love gear. gear. Well, it's a time of year. It's a time of year for getting some new gear, too. I mean, this is back to school time. In season, time. We're in right? it. We might be yeah, back to school, actually. Like- <laughs> Unfortunately, sorry everyone I do. out there who's back to school or celebrate. Yeah, depending on the listener. Sorry if you have to jump out of the car and go to school. And congrats, mom and dad, you made it through another <laughs> summer. I there is something to that though of back to school and all the feelings that I can bring up because I do every September without fail. I will go to you know whatever store and I'll get like pens, like brand like a brand new like set of pens or like notebooks and stuff. It's just I, it's habit it's at this fun. point, but I love it mm-hmm. and I. You know, I was thinking about this the other day where like, this would be the time when I would either get like new cleats, which are an mm. incredible experience, or you'd get like the new gear for your team or for like the upcoming season, which is equally as exciting and filled with nostalgia. There's nothing cooler than being part of a team and the day you get your gear and then you show mm. up probably for the, you know, subsequent weeks and wear nothing but that gear because you just oh, yeah. feel... Like you're so a part of a, you know, obviously you're, you are literally a part of a team, but you like feel like you're part of this cool group and you're like meeting new friends and you're going back to school and it's all very exciting. Yeah. I definitely remember that. And it's, that is another cool aspect of youth sports. It just gives, and maybe not even just sports, but any like youth group, whether it's like band or or whatever you're into, Mm -hmm. like you just get put into a community and part of a group of people who are like just like you and are just loving whatever you're doing and it's for fun and your kids mm-hmm. and you're just have no responsibilities. And can we go back? God, I would love that. Can Please. we, God, that should be the intro topic of the Dear day. Listener, is just like, can we go back to when we were kids and I got to bring a brand new soccer ball mm-hmm. and a water bottle and show off the new cleats and, you know, just, oh, man, it was a show weird off. fashion show that first day of practice. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You, that's you know true. I mean? That's true. But it was fun. It was a good time. So if anyone has a time machine yeah. that's listening to this, let us know. Simon and I would love, be willing uh, to be beta users of that time machine. Love to be testing that out. And yeah, quick reminder for everybody out there, all your organizations who have not placed your orders yet for gear, get on it. It's get on weird, it. Weird time. Get it on time it. Right now. Right now. So consider this your reminder. And speaking of reminders, I'm reminded that we have a great guest today. Whoa, what a transition. What a transition from Simon. It's like you've been doing this for your whole life. Top tier. Yes, we do have a great guest, Gary Charles. Without further ado. Let's bring in our guest. Gary Charles has dedicated his life to empowering young athletes and championing inclusion and equity in the world of sports. He is the founder and CEO of Advancement of Blacks in Sports, also known as ABIS. Gary has an incredible backstory, and we will no doubt dive deeper into that in this episode, from working on Wall Street to funding and founding a grassroots basketball program that helped shape the careers of numerous NBA players, now leading ABIS in its mission to increase opportunities for black coaches, athletes, administrators, and vendors in collegiate and professional sports. Throughout his journey, Gary has been driven by a deep passion for sports and a commitment to breaking down barriers and empowering young black athletes. With that, Let's welcome him in, Mr. Gary Charles. Welcome to the For the Love of Sport podcast. Wow, that guy, <laughs> great guy. Who's that guy? Yeah, who who's that? We got him right in front of us. Here he is on the show, live well, and in person. Absolutely. We also like to start off with a nice common thread is the youth sport experience. I'm wondering, diving into yours, can you tell us about your own youth sport experience? Yeah, absolutely. You know, growing up in Long Island, 
New York, the suburb. My dad did not want us in the house. So I grew up with four brothers and one sister. And we always had to be out the house because he was not trying to hear the noise or anything else. So, yeah. so I played baseball, football, basketball, track and field, and both. And actually, my first trophy was in sixth grade at graduation. I was voted the most outstanding athlete in school. Uh, wow. and so I was concerned not get a bigger prize. Okay, so yeah, it not only shines some light on me in front of the class. But now all of a sudden, all the sixth grade girls were starting to really love me. You know, <laughs> I just gotta tell you guys, okay, that moment I could just I never I could never forget because I really didn't know that I was gonna be getting this award. <laughs> it's a big moment. Sixth grade, that's huge. That's actually oh, it was big time. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's know. establishing yourself early as the <laughs> guy. The guy. There you go. The guy. No, that's great. I spent very little time inside and whether that was my parents really urging that or maybe the vibe of our neighborhood that we grew up in but we were always outside just playing kickball tag like whatever it may be and that kind of set the foundation for how much I enjoyed play and sports and that obviously translated into organized sports later on we ask that question all the time and it's always nice to hear kind of the common threads of, you know, I grew up in rural Wisconsin and you grew up in Long Island and we had similar stories of how, you know, it was just our parents being like, you're going outside and you're playing. Yeah, that's what go. we're going to do. <laughs> you're going out of my hair. You're going out. So, that's it. The amount of times that. I heard from my parents, just go outside and play, just go outside and play. And I never like looked at it like I was annoying <laughs> looking back. Yeah, you like, okay. It was. It's like, yeah, no, it's a good idea. I should just go outside. <laughs> I know that we had we had a great chance to you know meet and talk to you a little bit beforehand, and I'm wondering if you can sort of talk about you know your own tales and you know the people that you got to grow up and and play sports with. Yeah, you know you are, you and I had talked, and as I said, I was fortunate. I didn't look at it at that time. I was being fortunate because you know that's all you know, right? And I grew up with Chuck D from Public Enemy. Mm. I also grew up with Eddie Murphy, who lived around mm. the block. It was probably more of a pain in the neck than anything else because <laughs> Eddie had a joke all the time. I don't care for what it was. And that's from sixth grade on. It was kind of like, Eddie, can you please? Okay. <laughs> and you look back at it and you go, wow, look at this guy. This, like, it was amazing, you know. Dr. J grew up in Roosevelt also. He was obviously older mm-hmm. than us at the time. And Steve Mills, who was the former president of the New York Knicks, also grew up with us. And, and the reality is that when he was in college at Princeton, he would bring this young man with him in the summer, okay? And we'd play ball at the park and everything. And that young man turned out to be Craig Robinson, who is Michelle Obama's older brother. Oh, man. Okay? You can't make these things up. Um, <laughs> that's the world that I, I come from. And it didn't matter because... I was still the coolest person around. All right. Yeah. It, it, You're like, don't check forget the, check the trophy grade. case. Yeah. Sixth grade. Remember that. Okay. Let's just understand <laughs> that. All right. That regardless of who they were, okay, <laughs> I was still the guy. I was still the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my background, though. You know, growing up in Roosevelt, Long Island, and it couldn't have been better. It was a, a different time than now. We were sheltered through everything that we did. We still had to get home before dark, all right? You know, otherwise something might happen to you. So those were the standards. And, and I cherish those moments. I don't forget them. Can't imagine the kind of roster, like, that you're just growing up with casually that have just, like, excelled and have become just icons in their own right. Something I wanted to ask you about, you had taken your talents into Wall Street. Was there any particular lessons playing sports that sort of lent itself into working on Wall Street, or is that its own different beast? I had a, a coach named Jim Simpson. Mr. Simpson coached me for football, basketball, and baseball for the traveling team. The top guys you go and travel. And lo and behold, he was always the coach for all the sport. And we thought <laughs> crazy because he stayed on me. But as I look back, most of the things I picked up sports-wise came from him. And one of the things that he always said is that you could do whatever you want. Do not stop playing until the game is over. I don't care if we're down 25, but you keep, you keep going because you can get it done. And I think 
those lessons helped me prepare me for Wall Street in that it didn't matter if I was one of the few minorities working there. Mm-hmm. I never looked at me as less than. Okay, mm-hmm. you couldn't tell me that I did not belong. And that I think I learned that from you sports and Mr. Simpson. Huge yeah. shout out to Mr. Simpson. <laughs> I mean, I feel like in the moment when you're obviously a young kid and you have coaches who, you know, inspire you or, you know, give mm-hmm. you advice. You don't in the moment realize how much right. that's impacting you as a person until you're older and looking back on your career and like, wow, I don't think I would be half the person I am or have the certain personality traits or drive or ambition that I do had it not been for those people who just volunteer their time and coach you. So it's impactful to yeah. hear that story from you. I have to say, you know, I have a line to all these kids that it takes a village. We used to have a neighbor across the street, Mrs. Buck. She was always honest. She was always like, Gary, what's your boys doing over there? You know, that <laughs> but her in particular, you always knew you had to be careful because Mrs. Buck was watching. Okay. All the time. And I put a tweet out. Thank you, Mrs. Buck. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because you realize as you get older, that helped keep you straight. And that goes mm-hmm. back to what I say, it takes a village. So they all played a part. Yeah. yeah. It helped us become better people. It's a really helpful reminder too. Like I think when we talk about youth sport and youth sport organizations, a lot of it is really volunteer led. And a lot of it is just really like their own passion for the sport. And they're really giving with their own time. But the level of impact that you can have that translate into these lifelong lessons and things that you are holding on to well beyond your formative years in youth and how that can shape you. It's a nice little reminder. So dear listener, your work you're doing as a volunteer or as a coach or as an admin or as a parent or as all four of those combined is valued and it makes a huge impact. I wanted to ask you about this basketball program that shapes numerous careers, the ABCD camp, its inception, and being the associate director of that. So ABCD camp, for the listeners who are not aware, was founded by Sonny Vacal. Sonny Vacal is the gentleman who signed Michael Jordan to a shoe deal. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. So at some point, Sonny brought me on, which is another story, but... And, <laughs> I got on as associate director at ABCD camp and ABCD camp would bring in the top 150, maybe 200 top players across the country, uh, ages 16 and 17, maybe 15, but just the top, the top guys. And so you got a chance to meet LeBron James at 15. And that's when we knew, okay, this is the one. Yeah. And Kobe's dad happened to call me on the humbug one time because he was assistant coach at LaSalle. He said, Gary, can you help me get my son into the camp? And I did. And I remember calling Sonny. Sonny was like, Jelly Bean son? Are you kidding me? <laughs> we bring him on. And at some point, I made the decision like, Sonny, this is going to be the guy. We need to help him get there. Okay. But we had to mm-hmm. keep it quiet because we didn't want Nike or anyone else to know. So it was a big <laughs> work that we were doing uh, almost for like two years. So people wouldn't know. It was like, Secretive work, you know, they, the family would drive to my house, so I would drive to their house. Because remember now, this is before cell phone. So yeah. Yeah. you get a person on the phone, you just didn't get them. Okay, so <laughs> this is how we had to operate. But I think about all the young men that went through the camp. I remember Mike Conley, who was part mm-hmm. of the camp, but he was not the guy. But there was something about him that we always liked. So you got a chance to see people like that. Paul Pierce. I remember the first time mm-hmm. I saw Paul Pierce, and I'm like, Man, that's the truth. This kid, <laughs> I, I can remember, you know, things like that. Derek Rose, who's just oh, a homeboy, he still is, you know, right now. I can remember a former coach, Steve Wojciechowski, who ended up going to um, Duke. But I, I kind of remember talking to coaches before they came in, and I said, hey, I saw this white kid out there. He's pretty damn good. <laughs> and they were like, who are you talking about? And I said, this kid named, I can barely say his name, but his name is like Steve Wojo somebody. <laughs> like I can I remember all those things that all these stars, Carmelo, Anthony, you know, coming in as cool as possible. Tracy McGrady was the last kid we put in camp. He was not supposed oh, to man. be in camp. And he left out of camp as the number one player. That's what <laughs> ABCD camp was all about. And people just loved it and still do. That's amazing. And you made that connection. I was like, where have I heard that name, Sonny, before? And I was like, well, that's very obvious. That, that movie's amazing. Movie and yeah, so good. 
My question is taking a step back and trying to figure out how did you transfer from working on Wall Street to kind of being a part of this elite basketball camp and then continuing on into what your career is now? How did that all come to be? And where did you decide that was your passion and direction you wanted to take your life? Well, as we discussed, obviously I was playing all these sports and we had community guys who were there for us. So when I graduated out of college, and by the way, I went to Chain University and my gym teacher was Coach John Chaney, the Hall of Famer. And he would stop class 10 minutes early, talk to you about life lessons. All these things I never forgot. And all these things helped shape me to who I am. So now when I start to get ready to go work on Wall Street, one of the OGs from the community said, Gary, we're about to retire, but we need somebody to take over and help these kids. And I'm like, man, I'm a little busy. I'm about to get going. No, we need you. So I felt like they were there for me. I need to be there for these kids. So as I started this in Roosevelt with these young athletes, it grew into something else. Because then at some point I saw a possibility of these kids in Long Island to be able to get a scholarship, which no one had ever talked about before. You know, so my mind started to go, scholarship? These kids don't get Mm -hmm. this chance. I need to, you know, get involved. But let me tell you what's so crazy about it, working on Wall Street. I don't care who you are on Wall Street. Most of these guys are sports fans, okay? Mm. It's kind of like, you know how it is, right? The rock stars want to be sports person. The sports person want to be a rock star. You know how that goes. (laughs) What was happening is, as coaches used to start to come and see me, they would come to Wall Street to come and see me. Oh, man. And my bosses would be like, who's coming in? Patino coming in. What? (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's my boy. So it got to the point they would leave their office. You could have the meeting in my office. And then they would go. And what I would do is tell the coaches, do me a favor, bring me a shirt. So I would have these guys bring a shirt and I would give it to the bosses. So Mm. now it became a thing in which they got involved. They were proud of what I was doing. So when they saw my name in the papers, they were like, you know, he works for me. Oh, that's my guy. <laughs> because when I brought the coaches in, I let them talk to them. So they felt that they were part of this. So in some ways, they gave me a little carte blanche to make it make it work because they understood what I was doing and they were able to touch someone that they might ordinarily not be able to touch. Yeah. It's amazing the kind of people that you got to just witness in terms of just their own basketball skill and, and see them grow into these amazing you know stars they are now. I'm wondering, is there a character trait that is unique that you saw in, say, Kobe or saw, you know, in other players that was like that one, that this guy's got something that's very special? Yeah, just so your listeners know, I have coached over 20 plus pros out of my program. Okay. Mm. It wasn't just meeting a LeBron and a Kobe. I'll coach guys like Lamar Odom, Danny Green, Mm. Joe Kim Noah. By the way, your very own Khalid Alami, who my <laughs> most fiercest competitor I've ever coached. <laughs> Here's the one thing to me that's always been constant. Yeah. They listen. When you are working with these guys and you're telling them something, you know, remember now, they're great, but they're listening to every word you're saying. Mm-hmm. They don't say, I'm not trying to hear you, I'm already good. They listen it and they ask you questions. The idea that Kobe would be like, so Mr. Charles, what do you think about this? Or Mr. Charles, because he always called me Mr. Charles. Mm-hmm. I said, stop calling me Mr. Charles. That's my dad's name. But mm-hmm. that's what he would do. They listen. Lamar Odom, for everything else that's gone in his life, might have been the top five and nicest young man I ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. I could yell at him. I could say whatever. He'll go, okay, coach. All right. What do I need to do now? And so the Kobe's of the world, the Joe Kim, the color, the Danny Green, it would be, here's what I need you to do. Follow the yellow brick road. I'm going to paint you the yellow brick road you follow. Too many athletes, the reason that they don't succeed is because they deviate off the yellow brick road. Mm. The road has been written, already has been done. Just follow it. But they don't think they need to. And as much as sometimes I can see who's going to make it, a lot of time I can see the ones who are not going to make it because they won't listen. 
Yeah, that's I I love that because I I coach or I did coach in a close to the same caliber U twelve I mean, <laughs> girls soccer. So we were up there, you know. We got there. You know, there's some apples tears apples, maybe, but you know, so at the end at the end of the day, you know, on any team, any sport, any caliber of athlete the ones that are always above the rest are obviously yeah. there isn't a natural gift or talent or skill typically, which is you either have that or you don't, but the ones that really shine above are the ones that to your point, Gary, are, I always use the word like coachable. You want that person on your team. You want somebody who's going to be, you know, not just listening to you as the coach, but like listening to other players, being okay with making mistakes, like all of those things are such great qualities that you can teach that to your kid and probably transcends just sport. Like that's good to just have in your career and in your family and relationships as well. Well, I love that. I love what you just said, coachable, because it's kind of like the same. So I'm going to steal that one. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. We'll do a little tradesy. That's it. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I want to trade with you, but I'm going to take you. Yes. And yes. And you can have them both, (laughs) but you know what? You're absolutely correct. And I don't know if you ever heard of Lenny cook. So Mm -hmm. Lenny cook, and he has a movie out there or whatever, out the document was the number one player in the country before LeBron James. (laughs) When he played against LeBron James, the ABCD camp, then LeBron went up, Lenny went down. But what people don't know, most people don't know, two months prior, I removed Lenny Cook from the team. And people said to me, why would you do that? People thought I was crazy. Are you out of your mind, Charles? He's the number one player in the country. But as I said to them, there's another young man that was coming in. I said, but he listened and Lenny doesn't. He's not coachable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not taking it no more. And sure enough, now the other young man I brought in was a kid named Charlie Benawaver, who ended up playing mm-hmm. 12 years in the yep. NBA. And play UConn. So, whereas Charlie, like you said, coachable and was going to listen, Lenny was the opposite. And him and I was old. Bah, 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 bah. And I said, Lenny, you got to go. Listen, I love you. Everybody thought I was out of my mind because he was the number one player in the country at the time. But mm-hmm. right there, what you just said, I was like, I don't know if this kid's going to make it because he just won't listen. Gary, I actually want to follow up on that very quickly. Speaking from a youth sport perspective, if you're a coach, if you have a, an athlete that has like natural talent, but for that same fact, they maybe aren't as teachable. They aren't coachable or they aren't listening. Do you have recommendations or lessons that you've learned that can help cement to that athlete how important it is for them to listen? Like, how can you try to change that track? You know, the best thing I've been able to do is be able to talk to them this way based on the plays that I coach. Mm. So meaning that one thing one athlete would do is they will recognize another athlete. It's like I say, Real recognize real, right. right? So when you say certain name, it resonates. So you give them things like that. I remember I saw a kid when he was 12 years old. The kid was doing everything. He was listening, he was doing everything. And I said, oh, my God, this kid's going to be a pro. Think about that. 12 years old. Mm. I, I saw that. Kid turned out to be Stefan Marbury, right? <laughs> and oh, know, I'm sorry. Did you mean this Stefan Marbury right here? What are the chances? Sorry. (laughs) Oh my God, you can't make that up. Look at you. Listener, for the the audio folks, Simon has a t shirt on. I have an NBA Jam t shirt on, like a mid 90s NBA Jam t shirt on. That's Kevin Gardet and Stephen Marbury. And I had to to show it off. I'm sorry. That's wild. That's unbelievable. So. I saw that in that kid at 12 years old. Yeah. I didn't even know who his name was. I asked somebody, I said, who's this kid? His name is Stephon Marbury. I said, I'm going to remember that name. And lo and behold, we ended up playing him a bunch of times. You know, my team got the butt kicked because of him. But when you see things like that, you're mm-hmm. able to tell these stories. Okay? Because remember now, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So kids are going to respect realness. I was, you know, uh, at that time, I was one of the few blacks that was coaching and talking to them. They respected the fact that I work on Wall Street because not too many of them from my neighborhood was working on Wall Street. So all those things become factors of, 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 of a kid looking at you because, again, real recognize real. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. And actually it leads into my 
kind of the next part of this we want to take in and obviously want to give you the chance to talk about, you know, we talked about your, all the way from your youth sport experience to Wall Street, to obviously working with, you know, tons of really amazing talent and names that I'm sure everyone recognizes to kind of where you are today and the work you're doing now with ABIS. Do you want to maybe just give our listener high level overview of what you guys do there? What's your mission? Mm -hmm. um, And we can, we can dive into that. Sure. So ABIS is advancement of blacks in sports. Uh, And what we're trying to do is to let uh, search firms and athletic directors out there know that, hey, we exist. In Mm -hmm. that, when I hear all the time, hey, Gary, we don't know which coaches to promote. We don't really know them. We go, well, here's the answers to the test. We give them, we call it a cheat sheet, but the real name is the watch list. Here are the top coaches that was picked by their peers. And we hand that in. And now we've done that with baseball, football, basketball, mm-hmm. track and field, volleyball. Yeah. And the beauty of it is the peers. So now the ADs and search firm are loving it. And the last couple of years, position that's been open, over 50% now gone to minorities. And we're saying, we're not trying to, we don't want the whole thing. We're not trying to take over. We're just saying, let's be fair. So that's one of the things that we do. So we want to be the voice for racial equity in sports. So if we see something wrong, we want to speak about it in a, in a rational way to say, come on, you know what you're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. How can we come together and resolve that? We also do something called a financial coaching program in which 200 athletes from across the country, we're teaching them what financial coaching is all about. Like how to open up a bank account. How do you save? How do you budget? Yeah. All right, credit. What's credit? That's what TransUnion means? Oh, echo fact. I always wanted to know what that was. They, mm-hmm. they don't. They don't. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you don't know. So yeah. now by explaining that to them, they go, so that's why my credit rating needs to be high. That's right. That's going to help your mortgage. So we teach all these things. And then at the end, we do an investment program. We give them $100,000 in fake money. Okay. And teach them about it. And then we let them play the game. And then at the end, we choose the winners. And then we award them real money. So that's another aspect of, of ABIs. And then here's something that people take for granted. If you were a kid who started playing in sixth grade like me or fifth grade or whatever it was, right? And you've been that guy the whole time. Now you get to you know, high school, you're still that guy. You get to college, maybe you are, maybe you're not. And now all of a sudden you've been told you're not gonna be a pro, you're not this. What does that do to you mentally? Mm-hmm. How does that affect you in which everyone you knew You've been that guy, and now all of a sudden, people are calling you a has-been. You're not a has-been, but that's what you're being called. How does that affect you mentally? So we want to, you know, start that, that, that mental program to help these athletes, you know, combat these things and discuss other things you can do. Because you don't just have to just bounce the ball, throw a ball. You could become an AD, right? You could become maybe a general manager. You could become a coach. We want to be able to present them other avenues, that they can reach. So it's very important. So ABIs is, is in, we're intentional about some of the things that, that we're doing. Okay. And, and, and then we do a gallery every year and it's kind of like bringing to light the things that blacks have done in the world of sports over the years that people don't recognize black excellence, you know, we call it. So like, for example, Euless Payne was the first major league CEO owner, my, you know, minority owner for the market viewers. Nobody knows that. So we mm-hmm. named the ambassador award after him. And, and a year ago, we gave it to Dusty Baker. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have people like William Roden, Sports Media Award. We gave that award to Jameer Hill and last year, Ryan Clark from ESPN. So we have things like that. But at the same time, we also don't want to forget the allies who've been there for us. As I tell people, when you watch Martin Luther King walk, if you look to his, to his right, there's a white person walking with him. Those were allies. So we have the Sonny Vacal Champion of Change Award because mm-hmm. Sonny has been there for us all along. So last year we gave it to the former Miami football coach, you know, Brian Flores, gave him that award, mm-hmm. all right? So things like that. Now, if I said to you, who is John Carlos? Do you all know who John Carlos is? I expect you to. Got it now. No, it's not my head now. Right. So if I raise my fist. There it is. Now you go, oh my God, that's the yep. 1968 Olympian who raised his fist. 
So mm-hmm. we have the Don Carlos Tommy Smith Social Activist Award. And guess what? A year ago, we gave that to a white man named mm-hmm. Dr. Richard Lapchick. Because you know who he is? Dr. Lapchick was a great friend to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, and people like that. He was so close to them and helped them so much that one day he got jumped by two white men and they scribbled the N-word across his chest. It's things like that we want to bring to light, you know, to people. Okay? So every year we do a war like that. We have the Shaquille O'Neal Economic Sustainability Award because people don't know. Shaquille mm-hmm. O'Neal owns like, oh my God, 100 Popeyes, okay? Yeah, yeah no, he's... Ugh, unreal. And then we bring in people who have done great things. So last year we gave it to Albert King. Albert King owns a couple of Wendy's. Albert King played in the pros, NBA, for years. People have no idea this is what he's been doing. And he, and he put them in, in the community, you know, to help. So we're doing things like that. And by the way, a year ago, we gave the award to Joe and Pam Bryant, the Heritage Award. Mm-hmm. Because without them, there would be no Kobe. That's right. Okay? Black excellence. That's, I love the recognition for those particular contributions too. It just goes, it makes such an impact that's far beyond you know, anything else. And I wanted to call out too. I mean, it's not just for, you know, ABS is, you know, there's coaches, it's advancement of black coaches and players, but it's also administrators and vendors too. And I think that's, you know, important to call back to the entire like community and the advancement of everything just beyond the sport aspect of it too, from the business aspect of it. Well, I'm wondering, I love, I can love you, that. can you, can you speak to some of the impact there too, in your experiences with that? I, you know, absolutely. We, I remember we had a meeting with a group of, uh, you know, ADs, black ADs. Mm-hmm. And they said to me, can you help us? Mm-hmm. Help administration. Because obviously they're trying to get jobs too or trying to move up. So you're absolutely correct. We have that. Actually, our executive director, Dr. Ingrid Wicker, is a former AD at North Carolina a She retired a year ago. As a matter of fact, she's about to be inducted into the North Carolina Hall of Fame in September. Okay. So that is extremely important to us on that because, you know, everyone needs help. So we are just not concentrating on just one thing. We're concentrating on the whole thing. And here's the other thing, and and I'm not going to tell the whole story, but a couple years ago there was a a particular championship football game. And one of the teams, out of the 22 starters, it was 20 black and two were white. But in the community, the school had a chance to put some money in the community. And they had $18 million to put in the community. And out of that, $2,500 $2,500 went to the black community. How's that possible? Mm-hmm. And so we have a hashtag and one of our hashtag is, do you see what we see? So all we point out is like, come on, do you yeah. see what we see here? Is that really right? That's all we're trying to do. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> it is, this is one of those things where we like, to, we let sort of these stories and answers just ring out and but we have to recognize that's also a podcast so there's just like a silence but it's really just us like <laughs> silently going man yeah yeah it's just amazing <laughs> it um, is no it really is I'm sorry Maria, i didn't want to jump in yeah no the only thing i wanted to call back to that you had mentioned previously kind of in all you were kind of going through each of the parts of you know how you guys give back and the things you do and the one that resonated most with me i think the way that you guys are just shining light on what Mm -hmm. is potentially out there for people. Because as you said, like young people early in their careers, like you don't know what you don't know. You don't know the things that you're not taught or the things that you're not exposed to or the, you know, avenues in life that just aren't like right, maybe right next to you. Like even opening those doors and just being like kind of what you just said, like we're just showing people what's all out there. We're just pointing to the things that are there that we're all seeing. We're just putting energy and effort and attention behind it because we believe that that's not right or this is the right thing, whatever kind of way it flows. And so, I don't know, that just resonated with me in particular and I wanted to call back attention to it. Thank you you for saying that. I mean it, I mean it because that's really what we want. And I love that you was able to see that and you pointed, you know, that out because listen, at the end of the day, right, all we want to do is find a way to live, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I like to say all the time, I'm not living, I mean, I'm not working so I can live, I'm living so I can, you know, but I say it all, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not living so I can work, I'm working so I can live, okay? Yeah. And so does everyone else in sports. 
So you just want to be able to make sure people, let's do the right thing. Let's all work together. Okay. That's really, you know, the bottom line. Now, I will say this to you because this is this is really important for me because, Simon, you asked some of the different things that's made me who I am and things of that nature. So as I mentioned, you know, Coach Simpson used to, we used to travel, and it was the Biddy basketball team. And we played an eight-foot rim. So back then, I thought I was Dr. J trying to dunk and all of that. <laughs> so we went to, when you went on these trips, you lived at people's home. I mean, you stayed at people's home. We took you in for that weekend. Because it's not like we had the money to stay at the hotel. We didn't do that. And one of my fondest memories to the day was that uh, his white parents took me in for the weekend. Okay. First time I ever rode a horse with their, <laughs> with their son. Took me in the farm, rode a horse. First time I went in a tree and we took out the maple syrup because we were going to have pancakes that morning. <laughs> right? And I was like, wow. And she had sent me a picture of myself and her son on a horse. And this is like way back. And I don't know where the picture is at. She wrote me a letter, okay? And to this day, I remember the letter. I don't know where it is. And, you know, I wish they were listening to say how much I love you all. Because mm-hmm. they just show me how people can open up their hearts, mm-hmm. all right? And, and I like to tell people that if I had to tell you the 10 most important people in my life that helped me become who I am, I would tell you six or seven were probably white. But it doesn't mean I don't recognize what's going on in our community. Okay, so to me, I'm just trying to show everyone we could all work together. Here's what's going on. How do we, you know, work together? But those memories for me is what's helped shape me to who I am. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like that's such good, you know, just I don't know if advice is the right word, but just like something to hold true, like in any aspect is like there are so many people. It takes a village to your point that go into to building up who you are and who kind of helps create and curate the community around you. I do want to ask kind of a, maybe a follow-up to that. Obviously, you know, at Sports Engine, we have a huge impact on the youth sports organizations and admins and coaches and all of these people. Would there be any words of advice or, you know, thoughts or things that you think they should keep at the forefront as we and they work to ensure that they're keeping their organization inclusive of everyone, like Mm -hmm. keeping that at the forefront. Like how do you not just say you're going to do it, but actually do it and have it be a part of your mission, have it be a part of your culture, have it be a part of how, you know, train coaches and how you bring in new athletes. Like, is there anything that you could, you know, impart to to that specific demographic that would be, that would be helpful for them? Yeah. You know, one of the things that one of our board members, name is Felicia Allen. I'd like to say, there's a lot of things I like to say, but I love one of the whole words, which is that if your dream doesn't scare you, then you're not dreaming big enough. Mm-hmm. All right. We are capable of amazing things, but, you know, sometimes we don't know it. And I can leave, you know, with this, and this is really important. Remember back to what I just said about people who helped me. And mm-hmm. while working, I had a, a young man, and he was Italian, and he was the computer operator. So I was doing better than him financially. But, you know, so one day I said, hey, Tony, you on home? He said, yeah. I said, why? You live with your mom, huh? Because we were very young. I'm 24, I think, at the time. And he said, no, I have my own home. I said, what? He said, I own my own home. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. I don't like to count people's money, but I just do got a home, and I don't. And I said, Dude, how'd you do that? And he said something to me again that I've never forgotten. And he said, the difference between us, Gary, is that we know we can do this. You guys don't think you can do it. Mm-hmm. After he made that statement, within a year, I was buying a home. Right? So my point is you have to believe. You have to believe. You have to be you know, aware. And that when someone is coming there that is giving you advice, listen to that advice. Mm-hmm. Man. Love it. I just want to make it like a shirt now or a poster mm-hmm. and just put that on poster, my wall here. Sure. That's like, yeah. God, that's we, you and I could just talk motivational quotes, I think, all day. But I wanted to ask you too, because, you know, we, when we connected, we talked about the Fab 48, which is a tournament out in Las Vegas. And, you know, I, we can, we could dive in deeper to that. I, I'm just curious if you can talk to me sort of about that 
the inception of that and then the importance it has that term and how it's grown too because that's its own unique story we could have our own episode on that but i'm wondering if you can (laughs) talk to us a little bit more about that sure so fab 48 started and created in 2010 and just so everyone understands sunny vocal used to have a tournament called the las vegas big time and i have been going out this since 1991 every year out there and sunny retired about that time and because we still wanted to go to vegas a friend of mine and i decided let's start the fab 48 (laughs) Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do 18. And I, he said, let's call it Fab 48. I said, that's the most ridiculous name I ever heard. <laughs> 48, we're going to end up with more. See, again, I believe we would do more. And shut up the first year. Finally, I said, whatever, call it whatever. We had 110 teams the first mm-hmm. year and not 48. So over the years, it grew to over 600 teams. But at some point, one of the partners, you know, it was time for him to move on. And so we changed the name to the Las Vegas big time. I called Sonny, said, Sonny, can I go back to his roots? He said, absolutely. So for the past five years, it's been the Las Vegas big time tournament. And this past year alone, just so we understand, ESPN televised four of the games. And some of the players we had was Vice James, LeBron's son, Kyan mm-hmm. Anthony, Carmelo's son, Scotty Pippen's son, Kenya Martin's son, Will Barton was there, by the way, the mamas were there too. So Savannah mm-hmm. James was there. Um, Lala Anthony was there. Gloria James was there. And on and on. So it's grown to the point in which people say, I have to be there at that tournament. And then here's the other thing. We had 300 plus college coaches there to mm-hmm. watch these kids. And I cannot tell you how many times where a coach, a grassroots coach would call me and say, thank you for the opportunity because so-and-so kid just got a scholarship by being seen at your event. That's what it's all about, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's yeah. all about at the end of the day. So that's how important the Las Vegas Big Top Tournament has become. Also, what a what a cool full circle moment, I'm sure, for you from, yeah. you know, having a lot of those, you know, all-stars now. When they were <laughs> younger, you kind of influenced them. And then seeing their kids come through, I mean, like, yeah, it doesn't get that's, any better than uh, that either, right? Seeing it all come around. You know what? I'm going to glass that full. So the person who glass that was saying, oh, my God, I'm really old, okay? <laughs> yeah. Glass half full. So when I see him, I'm happy. Like, I like to yeah. tease Carmelo at the time. I'm like, yo, Carmelo, how many times did we beat you that year? Uh, <laughs> okay. oh. But what's wonderful is, like, for example, this past year, I went to go talk to him after watching his son play a couple of times. And he looks at me like, what do you think? And I said, Melo, the past six months, your, your son has gone like this. His confidence has gone here. He's shooting a mid-range like, you go ahead. And he said, OG, you never mm-hmm. lie. That's why I had to mm-hmm. find out. And Lala was like, yeah. So <laughs> that feel good that I can say that to them. Like, are you kidding me? You got a son and your son is this? It is. It, it, you're, you're absolutely right, you know, about all that. And they're just as, by the way, they are just as crazy. You know, I'm talking about the family, yeah. for the most part. Like, they were back then, or like other parents all about their kids. You know, I remember Greg and son. And Greg's like, this is wrong. My kid should be this. Da, da, da. I'm like, hey, Greg, your son is ranked like number four in the country right now. Are you for real? Famous okay. people. They're just like us. They're, They're just, just like us, people. <laughs> there you go. I'm like, come on, man. He said, but, he said, but OG, come on. I'm like, Greg, he's number four. Man. <laughs> they're just like us they are that's a nice reminder so if you think you have some difficult parents out there just remember it's everywhere you got it's everywhere you can't escape yeah. it. it's not just your organization there's they're just everywhere and you got to deal with them you got to deal with them but hey i mean sometimes you just need to bring them back down to earth a little bit you know i don't know if you yeah. saw it. so a couple of years ago again in our tournament this time it was bronnie so bronnie i think did a big time dunk lebron jumped so high up in the air that his shoes came off. And he was on the court, and one of my security guys was like, Levon, grab your sneakers, please. You know, you're, you're in the way. You're in the way. Yeah, okay. in the way, Lebron. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. That, guy probably, that security guy probably went home, and he was like, you'll never guess the yeah. day I had. That's exactly what he did. Oh, man. We always end the same way with a this or that question gauntlet. We have eight questions that we are going to read at a rapid fire pace. 
and we need rapid fire answers from the gut only. You ready to go? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Number one, morning bird or night owl? Night owl. Is it pronounced gif or jif? Gif. Yes. Coffee or tea? Tea. Veggies or fruit? Fruit. Playing an outdoor basketball court or playing indoor? What's better, an outdoor court or an indoor court? Now it's indoors. <laughs> back, but back in the yeah, back in the day, yeah. outdoor. Okay, <laughs> you can't beat the. Also, yeah, just true. side note: when you make when you swish and it's on one of the old school like chain nets, oh that's got to be one of the top sounds, I, I, right? Or the, okay. Or the rims We're that are reinforced with like just the type so of steel strength that can hold the building. Anymore, but I love the <laughs> beautiful crowd on the outside watching me swish. <laughs> all right all right next one which do you prefer to watch every year march madness or the nba playoffs watch madness okay this is a surprise i think you're gonna go playoffs yeah all right i have a start bench and cut for you ready yep dr j larry bird magic johnson Oof. Oof. <laughs> this is cruel simon this is cruel i'm gonna do it Magic. I'm gonna bench, believe it or not. I hate to say Larry. <laughs> I would have to cut my hero, Dr. J. Whoa. Wow. You want him in the stands with you hanging out and watching. I need somebody that could consistently hit a jump shot. <laughs> yeah. Larry would do that. Okay. So I yeah. have to be real about that. <laughs> I love totally it. fair. That's a, that's a stellar answer. Yeah. All right. Last question. Which is the better basketball activity, lightning or horse? Which is the better basketball activity? Yeah. Like, sorry, I was trying to think of the right way to phrase it, but like, (laughs) what's the best, like just downtime basketball game? Like, is it knockout or lightning or is it horse? Oh, okay. I got you. Horse. Horse. I'm awful at horse. Anybody that you've beaten at horse that you want to just remind them real quick? You know, I, 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 I beat one of my friends back in 11th grade. And anytime <laughs> I see him, I remind him. Uh, and, and, and we'll give him this. We'll give you this audio clip and you can send oh, it yeah, to yeah. him. Yeah, so T, you know, just remember that time I beat you. And i tell you what was interesting about it. There wasn't a basketball court available. And there was about 15 of us that was arguing about who was better and all this stuff. <laughs> Man, him and I got to think, well, let's go play. But there was no court. Next thing we know, somebody comes over with a basketball and said, here's the basketball. Said, There's no court. I got you one over there. Guess what that person was with the basketball? It was Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Okay. Again, of course it was. There he goes of course start. it was Eddie. It was Eddie. So I always remember that. So he gave us the basketball, and I just looked at him shaking my hand, and he's laughing. And we were gonna play. And then he kept the score. Now, he nice. just had to keep egging us on. Oh, man. All right? Wow. Now, I won the game. But I do want to say two days later, we had a rematch and T beat me. Okay, so I do want okay. to be fair about that. That's so, fair. Okay. I appreciate That's fair. that. Yeah. God, it's wonderful. Gary, we're going to leave the floor with you here. We always like to leave our guest with, you know, the last words before we, you know, hop out of here. So anything, any, you know, anything that you wanted to promote, anything you wanted to mention, any stories that are top of mind, any motivational quotes that, you know, exceptionally like, floor is yours. You know. I had made a statement when, you know, George, George Floyd, you know, was murdered. And that's kind of like how we got going, ABIS, and the Twitter went viral. Mm-hmm. And as, as part of it, you know, I said, hey, white people, I understand right now you're uncomfortable watching this march. But I wish your ancestors felt the same way in. No, I, what I said was, understand as a black man, we're uncomfortable every day, you know, walking. And I said, you know, we shouldn't be burning any builders down. But I wish your ancestors felt the same way about burning down Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what I did was I challenged all of us. I said, white coaches, black coaches, when are we going to come together and put a stop to some of this? We're all in this together, okay? Mm-hmm. I love every single one of y'all. And let's stop people from trying to hate us when we all should be, you know, working together, okay? And that's why I want people to, you know, to remember. We're all in this together. Let's love one another and let's continue to change the world. Love it. Well, yeah, well said. We'll leave it at that, Gary. Thank you so, so much for hopping on, taking some time to chat with us and have this conversation. We truly appreciate it. And, you know, our For the Love of Sport listeners are better for uh, for this conversation, no doubt. No, Absolutely. thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you.
And, uh, Appreciate Tom, you, Gary. Talking again. All right? you got, I got more stories, okay? I, we're yeah. definitely talking again. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. Take care. So I'm going to post this later, but I think I have four or five new motivational like images, like posters, <laughs> just yeah, from this interview like, alone. I feel like we could just clip little audio clips for you and you can keep them in a folder and then like, you know, wake up in the morning and just play them, get yourself going every morning. But it has been, I would say, you know, we always ask the question at the end, like we leave the last word with the guests yeah. and usually that's yeah, when yeah, a lot yeah. of the really good stuff comes out. But I've been like, so there's been so many throughout the interviews that we've been doing of people are just like, they just answer a question. And I'm like, wow, like (laughs) there are just some amazing, smart, intelligent, wise people out there. And we are very lucky that we get to talk to them. So it feels like I know it happens almost every episode, dear listener, that we sort of like just fall silent. We promise it's not dead air. We aren't. Not that awkward. Because it's because we're like, yeah, it's not because we're awkward. I mean, sometimes we are, but not <laughs> really in those moments. In those moments, in our jaws are just on the, yeah. <laughs> in those moments, it's just that our jaws are on the floor and we just are just mm-hmm. like, we've learned so much in that moment. And it's such a cool moment. We're just like, we can't, what could we possibly say Yeah. that, you know, could tie that to any kind of other question? I mean, the, he brought that and a really cool moment where I'm wearing a, a shirt of mm-hmm. Stefan Marbury when he talks about Stefan Marbury. That's yeah, a, that that's was a top moment for me for sure. That was, yeah, that was wild. That's like, you know, people are all like, Not oh planned. Gosh, are we living in like a simulation where it's like that. Those are moments <laughs> where it's like, whoa, yeah, no. somebody has, somebody's doing something somewhere. And that's all I know. And that's where we'll leave it hundred percent not planned. I was even like thinking like, yeah. oh, do I need to put on like a, an actual like shirt or hoodie or something? And then it was too late and I <laughs> hop right into it. Happy it worked out and happy that you were here to hear it work out. Dear listener, let's tie a bow on this one. What do you say there, Marie? Yeah, let's do it. Tie a bow. This has been another episode of for the love of sport brought to you by sports engine, the home of you sports. And if you dear listener, have anything you would like to share, stories from the field, from the courts, a coaching tale, org admin experience, if you will, please send those over to us at ftlospod at nbcuni.com. We would love to hear from you. We will have another dear listener section where we read out these emails. Thank you again for the communication. But For the Love of Sport is brought to you by Sports Engine, the home of you sports hosts are the... Marie Fitzgerald and myself, Simon McKenzie. Our marketing guru is Kelsey Irwin. Our amazing producer is Joe Brezanek and our exceptional sound engineer, who again is Emmy winning. As you can Emmy tell from winning. our honey dulcet tones is the great Troy Stone. We will awesome. be back again with a, another episode very soon. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.